You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by Washington rookie cornerback Benjamin St. Juice, one of their third round draft picks, as we recount his journey from a kid in Canada to the NFL. It's unique. He faced more doubters because of where he grew up, plus how hockey, soccer, and basketball have helped him, and it's why he can survive as a tall corner in the NFL. You can follow Benjamin on Twitter at Benji underscore Juice, and you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now explaining why Washington did not draft a quarterback. Plus, my NFC East colleagues and I will have a roundtable discussion this weekend about who should be considered the favorite in the NFC East. I was leaning one way and then went another. Also, this is my 201st episode, and I know I wouldn't have lasted this long without you listening, so I appreciate you coming back. I don't take it for granted. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you want, give us a rating wherever you can. Before I share my conversation with St. Juice, here are a couple nuggets. Let's go to defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. He told the team's Julie Donaldson that Landon Collins would be sticking at strong safety. Considering they drafted Jamin Davis in the first round, that makes all the sense in the world. Davis can play weak side, but he can also eventually play in the middle, which is why they drafted him. However, you didn't draft him to sit, and they still like John Bostic in the middle, and they still need him there because you don't know what Davis can do, especially on early downs. Therefore, moving Collins to linebacker would have made him a part-time player, and that doesn't make any sense. But you'd best believe it was under consideration had they not drafted a player at this position. I had those conversations with people there, and the sales pitch centered around it being a similar role to strong safety. However, it's a moot point now. I was also told in regards to free safety that their plan would make sense once we saw what they were doing in OTAs and minicamp. And I was also told that Trey Boston is not an option as of right now. Now, what this means as far as making sense, I don't know. But as you heard on the podcast recently, Cam Curl does believe he can play free safety. Wasn't saying he would, and nobody there has told me that. It's just that he feels he can't. I also know that in 2015, when Carolina had a fantastic defense under Ron Rivera, that the free safety was journeyman Kurt Coleman. That group had a terrific front as well, and Coleman responded with nine picks. They don't need a great free safety. They just can't have one that screws up angles and allows big plays, which is what was happening with Troy Apke. They need a, st they need a steady presence who will be in the right place at the right time and someone the corners can trust. Yes, that does sound like Curl. Now, I'm not going to put him there until I hear that's the case. But again, I was told it will make sense once you see it. So we'll see it in a few weeks, I think. At quarterback, one reason Washington didn't draft a quarterback was because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, he's only on a one-year deal, but they also know they can resign him if he plays well. 
That provided them some freedom to be picky when it came to young quarterbacks. And sure, this extra season without a young quarterback gives others a chance to show what they can do, whether in preseason games or practices or whatever, in meeting rooms. Meeting rooms are a big key here, folks. That's where, guy, that's where coaches really start to see what guys know and what they don't. There's a level of intrigue with each of the other three quarterbacks. Not enough to suggest one will be the quarterback of the future, but enough to say, hmm, let's see. None truly project to being that guy, but again, enough to see what happens now that they didn't draft one, so they all have a chance. And know this, they would have picked one at 19 had a quarterback fallen to them. As for Taylor Heineke, there are a lot of fan, Heineke fans out there. I, I would say I think too many people want him to be the guy based on one game. A lot of quarterbacks have had one good game in the NFL. The key is what happens when teams have film on you. Heineke earned a new deal and a chance to compete in camp for a job, whatever that job means. That's all really good. Again, it's a great story, and I feel like he earned that. But you can't escape the reality that teams question the durability. That's part of the reason why he was out of the league for two years. It's not the only reason, but it's definitely part of the reason. And it's why the people who now coach him once cut him. But again, I think there is definite intrigue because we all saw what we saw. So you can, you can say, hey, you never know. And I get that. Not a great strategy to operate that way, but it is something you say you don't have a guy. So let's see what he can do because you never know. And that if he develops in this matter, it's an absolute bonus. But he's in the spot he should be in, a chance to show what he can do. That, again, is what he's earned. I know Kurt Warner's story. He's a far different quarterback. He's much more of a, a straight pocket passer. I also know the story of hundreds of others who did not make it in a similar position. Heineke is a great story. And I will say, like I said, I think it's, he's an easy guy to root for because, again, we saw what we saw. But let's see what happens in camp and go from there. On Ryan Kerrigan, I was told earlier this week that the door is not shut on his return. Now, how wide open is it? That's another matter. Washington wants to see how the other young ends look this spring to see how badly do they need another end, especially a veteran like Kerrigan, one who would cost them a few more million dollars. I know they are deeply intrigued by Shaka Tony and what he might be able to do. And keep in mind with Kerrigan, a deal is a two-way street. There's no guarantee he would want to return this matter. He once wanted to be here for his whole career. He also wants to go somewhere to play more. Now, Clearly, the league is not giving him that because he's still out there. Um, sometimes when you mentally leave a place, you do so for good. I would not assume he wants to come back. I'm not assuming anything here, but that's I'm just saying um, I don't think this is just up to Washington. So I think they're both sides have to decide a couple of things, what they would be happy with. And again, for Kerrigan, we know that he wants to go somewhere to start. But again, teams aren't offering him that. Will that happen once teams see what they have or don't have? Would he wait till August until maybe somebody gets hurt? I don't know. It would be great to see him back here, of course. He's a classy guy, and it would be nice to see him finish his career in Washington. And, you know, he'll go up in the ring of fame whenever, you know, several years after he's done playing. He'll retire as the all-time leader in sacks here. Um, it would be nice to see if this place does get a turnaround to see Kerrigan be part of that because he went through so many garbage years. The NFL is full of stories of guys in his spot who finished their career with other teams. It's a tough but real side of the industry. I've had some fans say they should keep him just because, in essence, they like rooting for him and that fans would be upset. I get that. But Kerrigan was here for a long time and attendance has gone way down and the fan base was upset anyway. Winning will bring them back. If Kerrigan isn't here and they win, the fans will be just fine. They will come back. They will latch on to guys like Chase Young and McLaurin and whomever else is here. 
I, having said that, I absolutely get the attachment and I think it's not something that should be taken lightly. Finally, on St. Jude's, Del Rio said he'd play corner, which is where he should be, though with the versatility to drop to safety as well. If he doesn't work at corner in a year or two, he can always go there in the future. But keep this in mind. I mean, he didn't, you'll hear the conversation with him in a minute about some of this. But keep in mind, corner is a more premium position, and you need more than just a couple of good ones. Also, his size and length will provide them flexibility with matchups. They have one good-sized corner in William Jackson. The rest are on the smaller end. Kendall Fuller, Jimmy Moreland, they don't match up well as well with bigger targets. Now you have someone else who can. That's why they're going to try. And that's why they want to keep that corner for now. Yes, if they want to use more press man in the game, then you have another who helps you in that area. So that's, that's a key reason to, to think here, folks. And again, you'll hear some of his conversation, what he thinks about you know, the, why he can survive as a big corner. I do think they'll be fine at free safety. Again, after Troy Apti was benched, the safety play was much better. Having that corner depth is imperative. Again, look at the receivers in the NFC East. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Devontae Smith, et cetera. St. Juiced will help at corner. Okay, that's it from me. Speaking of St. Juice, I'll be back after this break with our conversation. I get in my little dig about his time at Michigan. But I will say you will like him more after hearing our talk. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less. Will an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total? You can do the same in baseball. Will a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc. It's fun. And every Friday it's home run derby bet on three guys who had home runs that night. All three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week, you can participate in their eagle-eyed jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Benjamin St. Juice. All right, Benjamin, I'm going to get to the important stuff on the field first, but there's something I think is even more impressive that I haven't heard enough about, and that's you graduated from Michigan in two years at the 3.0, and you already have your master's. How did you accomplish that? And I will say, as an Ohio State guy, I can understand wanting to get out of Michigan in two years, but how did you do that? That's, that's really impressive. Yeah, so basically I had the chance to uh, – the, the, where I'm from in Montreal, Quebec, we have a very different educational system. So I graduated high school a little bit early at 16 years old, and then okay. I went on to go to CGIP, which is kind of like the equivalent of community college. Okay. So I did three years of that. So a lot of those classes like algebra, calculus, um, stats, and all those stuff, I took that when I was back home. So when I was a freshman in Michigan, I came in with 36 uh, transfer credit and I could apply that to my major. So after that, I just took a little bit more classes and was able to graduate faster. And then um, I moved on to, uh, to to Minnesota and did the same thing. 
and I was able to get my master's. Because in my head, I was like, if I get injured or anything happened, I don't have football, how can I maximize my opportunity of going to college for free? So I'm trying to get as many diplomas as I can. What did you get the master's in? Sports management. What would you want to do with that? If, if football didn't work out and, or, and down the road, you're going to be done playing at some point. What would you want to do with that? Well, I got my uh, my undergrad in sociology, so probably working working with people, working with kids, working with uh, you know uh, opening a football clinic, a football organization, a training facility. Maybe back home, I could do that with that. With the sports management on that side, probably be around the sports world, working for a big company for their marketing department, being a sports promoter, or even be a sports agent. You know? So I have I have two different avenues. Well, very good. Like I said, that's pretty impressive. So I wanted to start off with that. Now, for your background you're growing up in Canada where the NFL isn't always a dream for people. When did it become turn from something, Hey, maybe it'd be fun to something where you say, I got a shot at this. I would say I always had a dream of playing in the NFL, but like you said, it's, it's, it's very hard um, growing up in Canada when you have little to no representation in the NFL. So like not seeing anyone from where you're from in the NFL, you're like, is it actually like attainable? Is it really a real dream? But when I had my first scholarship for University of Michigan in 2015, I was like, okay, if I can get a, a scholarship to go play for one of these big schools, all I need to do is go out there, show up, and then I'll be fine and I'll make it to the NFL. But your dad played at the University of Miami. <laughs> he went there to play. And I guess he got hurt. But he, he was good enough to go to the University of Miami during their heyday because it's 1989. Mm-hmm. That was a, they were a powerhouse. So you got that. So how did he factor into your development and maybe your understanding of, hey, maybe I'm even better than I thought? Uh, it, it helped me a lot. It helped me a lot because he, my dad, you know, every – uh, resources or knowledge that he had from the game, from the thing that he that he he even became a, a coach. Like when I started playing football for the first year in twenty in two thousand seven, he was a coach in my pop running team all the way to like twenty thirteen. So he was able to acquire some knowledge too, and everything that he knew, he transferred to me. Every training session we were together. So um, so big credit to him because he's one of the big reasons I started playing football and. Uh, just the fact that I was able to reach the NFL, kind of like his dream that he couldn't do, uh, I think he's very proud of me. And yeah, and it, there's there's always knowledge that a dad is going to be able to pass down that he had in that. What are some of the big things that you feel like that maybe he hammered home throughout you growing up that you now look back and say, oh, okay, this really was preparing me for this? Yeah, uh, well, for well, never the never quitting mentality to always competing. You know, it's never it's never obviously obviously we play football for fun. But you want to compete. You want to come out on top. You know, don't let other people, you know, outwork you. Don't let even if it's your friend. It don't matter if it's the other team. It don't matter if you're winning seventy to zero. You know, make sure that you uh, you improve on something. Make sure you work on yourself. Make sure you're better than you were yesterday. Always one percent better. Working on yourself. And um, he didn't really say too much in terms of speech. I was just looking at my dad how he was doing things. Okay. And, that's how, and that's just how he does things. He's just he's not a quitter. He he's a he's a hustler, as we say. He's gonna find a way to make it work on the field, off the field, and um, he sacrificed a lot. So it built my character, it built my personality on the field, football field, and that's 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 the kind of player I am. It sounds like they kind of let you come to your own realization of what you can do too, because I heard, saw something with you where you were talking about. Um, they asked you, you know, you watch all these clinics on TV or something like that. Why aren't you going there to do it? And then it's almost like you went there, realized you were better than you thought, and you started putting even more into it. 
Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, kind of like I said, I was around people that were like, the NFL is too big for you. You know, we're from we're from Quebec. We're from Canada. There's no one in the NFL. Why would you make it? But my parents and my dad didn't, didn't care about that. They was like, no, we're going to bring you to that camp, and we know you're good, so you're going to go compete with those guys, and you're going to go get a scholarship, and you're going to achieve your dream. And them giving me that motivation kind of like, okay, yeah, if my parents believe in me, then let's roll. Let's go. Let's go give it a shot. How hard is it to overcome that when you hear – if because of where you're from and all that, that it's too hard for you. How hard is it to battle that? Because that could really affect you in a bad way. As a young kid, it's very hard. It's very hard because you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. You didn't see much in life. You didn't been around a lot of people. So you listen to the people that are older, the people that are around you. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't have that many players from where I'm from, Quebec and Canada in the NFLs, because a lot of people are like, well, the NFL is too big for you, or you can't make it there, and all that stuff. We're we're a hockey we're a hockey country, like focus on hockey and all that stuff. So, as a young kid, it's really hard. But as I got older and I started developing developing that same mentality that my dad has, that I don't care what other people say, I'm gonna get better at each and every day. Now I kind of don't care, and I'm gonna make sure that I give that I pass down that mentality to my little brother, so we can pass it down to the other kids, the future generation back home, so we can have more athletes in the NFL. And then the other thing is your background and you know playing multiple sports and hockey, soccer, basketball. How do all those sports help make you a better corner, especially at your size? I mean, you know, it's like the, the corners your size are hard to find and they're hard to find because it can be hard to do the footwork and all that necessary. So how did those sports help you at your position now? It helped me a lot. Just in general, playing multiple sports, it could be basketball, track, whatever you have to play another sport or multiple sports to, 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 to bring in more, uh, to make you a more complete athlete. Just playing one sport just makes you one dimensional. For me, hockey, being able to be really good at hockey and soccer and also running track later on in high school, it helped me with my speed and hockey it helped me with my change of direction. That's probably one of the, th- one of the things that helped me have the best three cone and the best shuttle mm-hmm. Uh, time of this combine this year is the fact that I can have really good balance for my sides and I can move in and out of cuts and all that stuff. So, when did you stop playing hockey? Was that like was there another sport that you said that hey, if I could have stuck with this, I could have been this? Was there anything like that? And how long did you play hockey? Uh, until I was fourteen. So okay. until I was fourteen, started at five, and um, you know every winter we have the arena, we have the outside ring too, and you know we all we have teams and then we show up. And we played the whole winter. I mean, obviously, I'm from Canada, so like the right. winters are might be a little bit longer than the summer. So if you don't play hockey where I'm from, it's gonna be a long winter for you. How how good were you? I was I was I was pretty good. Me and my younger brother were really because we we played it every day. So we played it, we was at the arena every day. So we was like really good. So I would say if it wasn't for if it, if I couldn't play football, I probably would have made it in, in hockey. Too. Really, and for for football, how? Does your how does your length help you? Uh, well, a lot of those plays <clears throat> that you see corners and you're like, oh, he could have made it. He was so close. Those are the type of plays that I make. You know, with my my arm length, how big I am. Those jump ball in the red zone, or those little quick outs or itch that like you know you're like, oh, the corner was so close to getting the PBU and the interception. This is where my length comes in because I can make those plays compared to maybe other corners. Does it help you? Does it help? Because like. If a guy has speed, you can make a little mistake and still recover. Does that length help you recover at times too? Exactly. It helps me at the line of scrimmage. If the guy is fast, I can put my hands on him and slow him down. But if he gets a little, he gets a step on me, then I can just run and I don't have to panic or anything. I just wait until he turns around and I turn around and I can just stick my hand out and touch the ball before he touches it. 
And how, you know, as far as basketball goes, how did that help you playing the ball in the air? I, well, vertical, vertical. There's not that many guys that can, you know, win a jump ball on me. You know, I'm very springy. I have, I have a good vertical. I have, you know, good length. And um, obviously, like, I'm able to track the ball down um, better because of basketball. And then when the, the other day as a corner, they, because your size, everyone always talks about maybe he can play safety. But there's the converse, and I know in talking to people here that you can present a matchup help for them by being a big corner because there are big receivers in the NFL. How do you see yourself as a defensive back in this league? I think that's a I think that's an advantage for me. Just the fact that people mention safety and corner, it make it, it tells me that I'm, I'm very versatile. So if they need me a corner to play to guard a bigger receiver, guard somebody, and I can play this. And if people want to put me in a package and put some other corners and not play at, at safety because I can play safety too, then that's good. That just make, gives me a better opportunity to be on the field and help the, the team get, win some games. So. How much safety did you play at Minnesota? How much what? How safety? Much safety? Yeah, did you, did you roll back there in certain coverages or not at all? No, nah, I played corner my uh, my whole college career. Right. The only time I, I really played safety was at the Senior Bowl too because they uh, – how, how did that feel for you? It's super. It's super easy to tra- if you're a really, really good corner. Transitioning to safety is easy, you know, because you're guarding, you're guarding tight end. I mean, I never been shy to being in a run game and tackling and all that stuff. So I was fine. And then after that, it's just you know having good vision, good zone eyes, and then I always had that. So it was, it was a smooth transition for me. Maybe for you, but then you see some other corners who go there. If some corners aren't as good, strong in tackling, those angles can be difficult for them. You yeah. always. The one thing that jumps out with you when you watch your games and when you talk to the people is your tackling is very, very good. Why do you feel you're a good tackler? Uh, well, because I want to, I was, I want to consistently show up in the run game. You know, for my size, I need to always be there, and I can't miss tackle. And that's that's my kind of mentality. You know, I'm not a smaller corner. Maybe a smaller corner can be like, oh, you know, I'm a cover corner. Maybe I'm not good for my size. I need to consistently be in the run game, and I think that's what makes me a complete corner. And uh, and that's why my transition to safety will be fine because I don't really miss that many tackles. I think I miss I miss one tackle uh, my junior year and one tackle not nah, one tackle my junior year. That's it in two years. So, what happened on that play? Do you remember it? I didn't even touch the guy. It was against Auburn, and I kind of uh, he broke a whole bunch of tackles on the kickoff return, and then I oh. over pursued, and then he, he cut back on the other side. So, so it wasn't like you missed him. He just had it was a yeah. He just took a, he just took a good angle. We're gonna give him props for that. Okay. Okay. So then, um, and also like, what do you, when you look at your game, what are the areas where you say, I still need to get better. Nobody's perfect. So where do you feel like you say, I need to get better here. I want to be more productive. I feel like I didn't have that much opportunities when I was at Minnesota. I started nine games junior year and then only five with COVID. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the ball didn't come as much my way. So I didn't get really chance to really like, you know, intercept the ball that many times and take it back to the to take it back for a touchdown. So I want to be I want to consistently work on those skills because I don't want it to be become rusty. So I always catch some punts, I always catch some tennis balls, stuff like that. Working on my end high coordination so then when they put me on the field, I can go get those interceptions. With your length, you could be a really good press corner, but they also play off in the zone and all that. As far as route recognition, how do you feel you are there, and and how do you work on that? Well, working on route recognition it comes with studying the game, studying film. You know, you need to study your opponent. You need to know what they're going to do. And you need to know how they're going to attack your defense. You know, what are the weaknesses of the coverages that we play? And I think uh, Minnesota prepped me well to do that because the first year we didn't play as much press. We played a lot of quarters, a lot of okay. off, a lot of off men. So I was able to work on that. 
and uh, recognize the routes and all that stuff, the concept of where they're going. So obviously, it's still some work to do, still sure. some improvement, but but uh, but I'm definitely in a good good position. And then going against Rashad Bateman in practice, what was that like? Uh, it's everything a corner wanted. You know, some guys maybe they're like, you know, ah, like I, you know, maybe shine away from competition and all that stuff. They're trying to have like the easy practice. Uh, not for me, you know. I've been a first round receiver for two years. Uh, that's that's what I want. That's what made me better because when I go on Saturdays and play against other receivers, not as good at him, it makes it easy because he's a super good receiver. So uh, every time, every time we practice, we're trying to find each other. You know, get better, iron sharp as iron. And what what were those battles like? I mean, we you guys, do you guys talk to each other? Or are you guys both quiet? What were those battles like? It was a little bit of trash talk here and there, but it was, it was always, you know, it was always, you know, trying to get better. You know, he was trying some new techniques. He was trying some new you know, routes and all that stuff. I was trying some new techniques and all that stuff. And we were just going at it. You know, it could be one-on-one, it could be uh, seven-on-seven, scrimmage, Oklahoma drill, whatever. Uh, we knew that we were getting better every time we would go against each other. What was it like in this? Were there some plays that you or some moments in practice you remember where – you know, just like, hey, this this route here, this play here, this pressure made me better because of going against Rashad. I would say playing playing against Rashad off because, you know, obviously I got the best out of him when I was playing press because that's where, you know, I can really put my hands on him. You know, receivers always got a plan until you put in their hands on him. Right. You know, playing off, that's what they like. So uh, playing quarters with no safety on top, you know, and he's running like post routes and all that stuff. This is where I route recognition. I had to mm. really see if he's going to break out or break in. And he's a fast guy, so, you know, I had to, like, study some things and study his technique and all that stuff to make sure that, like, you know, I was in the right position and all that stuff. And he definitely made better. You know, I got some plays on him. He got some plays on me, and that's how we got better every day. Right? Absolutely. During the draft, you were with your girlfriend in Atlanta. Your parents are back in Montreal. You, you talked about how the travel restrictions prevented you from going there. Was that tough to be separated from them during a moment like that? Oh, yeah, it was hard. It was hard. But at least, you know, we made the best the best out of it. You know, I was able to see them, you know, celebrate on Zoom and all that stuff. But, you know, having they, they, they missed out on everything since COVID started. So March 2020. So they missed out on my whole senior year, my graduation, the senior bowl, the draft, the pro day, you know, all this stuff. So I know that hurts for them because they made a lot of sacrifice for me to be in this position. But it, it's just going to make the celebration even better when they come. They come to see me in Washington. You know? What was it like when you were calling them on the phone? Well, I, I got to actually got to experience them live, you know, like, oh. I, my, yeah, so I, we was on the Zoom together. I saw them. They was they was screaming. My little brother was crying. My dad was crying. My dog was happy. My mom had my, <laughs> my mom had my senior bowl jersey on. She she was so happy, too. And and, uh, you know, they were just they were just happy. You know, they they, they knew how hard I worked for it. They knew how, how close I was to, to not even being able to be in this position. So they were just happy. Got any hobbies? Hobbies outside of football? Yeah. Um, I would say pretty chill guy, to be honest. I, I, I'm trying to spend as much time with my girlfriend and my family. Uh, I like traveling. I like traveling. I like Europe. Um, I like Japan. Um, I like photography. I like, I always carry a little uh, film camera with me, mm. take pictures and keep it as, you know, memories and all that stuff. And that's pretty much it, you know? Not have, you, much it. have you been to Europe, places in Europe and Japan? Where, where have you gone? I really want to go to Japan, actually. You know, um, I think one of the opportunities will be for the, the Olympics, maybe. Um, my uh, girlfriend's sister is uh, very close to being qualified for the, oh. for the Olympics. She runs track and field at the University of Georgia. So hopefully she, uh, she makes it. That'll be, that'll be good for her. They'll be going to see watch her. And um, I went to uh, Rome in 2017 and I went to Paris in 2018. And then I was supposed to go to Barcelona last year, but COVID hit. So 
Oh, really? Well, that's that's pretty cool. And then the very last thing you talked once about the fear of being average. Why is that a fear for you? What? Well, how much does that drive you? Uh, it drives me because I know how much potential I have. I know that my parents and the people that sacrifice things for me believe in me. So giving up is not an option because that will be a disrespect to him. And I will be a disrespect to myself because I know my ceiling is so high. I can do so much things for 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 Washington football team as as a team and as an individual. So cutting corners and like, you know, giving up or not doing, not reaching my full potential, that's my fear. Cause then I'll be average. I'll be like, I'll be a shoulda, coulda, woulda. And I should have right. done this. I would have, you know, I don't want to be that person. Benjamin, I appreciate you joining me. And like I said, I think fans are going to appreciate the insight and they're, I think they're going to have fun watching you. So thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and of course, of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows, as well as the other great content. Hey, this is Joel Corey from Inside the Cap. I know you're enjoying the John Kahn Report, which gives you insider access to the Washington football team, everything you want you want to know which is going on with the Washington football team once you're done with that check out my podcast inside the cap which gives you the ins and outs of the NFL salary cap and player contract negotiations check out these two products and other fine podcasts from Empire Media that's it for this episode thanks to Benjamin for joining me and thank you as always for listening here's to another 200 folks I'll be back with another episode late Sunday night or early Monday morning when I'll have, when I'll have more draft breakdowns with Jordan Reed, the draft analyst, not the former player. We'll go over Washington's picks, plus a look ahead to the 2022 quarterback class. Talk to you next time.